Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Are you going to start? I know it's been a while. I forget. I forget who starts. Uh, well, you know, considering that I usually have our voices come in under the music, um, which yours just did, it, or oh. in this edit, uh, when I'm done with it. Hi, folks, I'm Tim. I'm Dustin. And this is your somewhat delayed, is Apocalypse Now. Somewhat uh, delayed. We had a holiday in there, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, and we all hope, we hope that you guys got to enjoy a nice time with your families, or friends, or however you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. I got, got to go down to Wichita and, and hang out with my family, which was nice. Um, I don't get to do that as often as I'd like, although, as my boss reminds me, I actually do have the time, and so quit thinking that I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, stop pretending that you're, uh, you don't have any life, TM. Well, you know, from uh, 1992... <laughs> Until about a year ago, <laughs> taking time off was just not a thing that I did much of. Oh, I totally, I totally get that. Like, um, I was constant. Like, even when I had, uh, uh, when I had vacation time, mm-hmm. my former boss was such a like stickler. If I had to go and do something for the kids, she'd be like, "All right, there goes three hours of your vacation time." Yeah. You know, but at this job, if I'm like, I don't, I'm going to be gone. I'll be three hours late. They're just like, okay, you're just not going to get paid for that. And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh. so like, I, I think I have like three or four days left that I have to use by the end of the year. Yeah. My, uh, my boss, um, sat me down not too long ago and said, are you aware how much vacation time or time off in general you're going to lose after the first of the year? And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. She goes, no, do you know? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, she was, you can only roll over 80 hours. I was like, yeah, whatever. She goes, do you know how many hours you have? And I'm like, no. She goes, check, I'll wait. <laughs> and it was 140 hours. Of vacation time. Of time off in general. So it's, oh. it all, it all, you know, it, it's all one bucket and you can, how you break it down in your coding uh, for billing. But um, yeah, so I was just like, oh, and she's like, you do realize you've been really bad at taking time off, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, yes. And she goes, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> I give it to you for a reason. <laughs> Use it. Oh, yeah. Ours is 80 hours no matter what. Mm. So you can be sick or you can uh, like, like go on, you know, a on a vacation or whatever, but it's going to be 80 hours. Yeah. So vacation and sick time fall under this, but holiday time is a different thing. So I've got like 20 hours of holiday time left, which makes sense. You know, Christmas, new year's, you know, an extra day here or there. Um, But yeah, so I've got all this time. So I'm probably going to take off from like the day before Christmas to like, New Year's Day. Yeah. 
because everybody else in the company is too. So it's not like I'm gonna be, we're all going to be, none of us are working. Um, right. So. right, exactly. So like we, we have paid days off. Like there are days like Thanksgiving and then the Friday after we're paid days off because who's going to come in on the day after Thanksgiving? Right, right. So, but unfortunately what this means is that we are, for this particular show, behind right. just a hair yeah, so welcome welcome to the, the Days Off podcast, where Tim and I spend a full hour talking about the days off at different jobs, uh, and what that means for the workers. Um, I'm Dustin, and that's Tim, Yes, and that's what we do, is we talk about days off. Um, our conversations before we actually start recording are generally, um, well, they're entertaining to us. Right. Um, but apparently we decided to let it bleed into this episode. So we're going to Occasionally gonna be... we do that. Occasionally it happens. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we're going to move on to the actual subject at hand, which is uh, the last episode of the first half. So it's the mid-season finale. Uh, because, again, this is a thing that is, is a, a current thing with, with programming, is that things, series will often get split into halves. Uh, and so we have a mid-season finale of The Walking Dead. Um, and I thought we'd also talk a little bit about this season overall uh, so far, because yeah. there's a lot that's going on here. And um, where we left off in the previous episode was um, Dante is revealed as the mole for the Whisperers. And Sadiq realizes what has been causing all the sickness. And because Dante knows that Sadiq knows, he kills Sadiq. Right. And uh, that's literally where we, uh, we jump in, is, is, uh, is basically uh, Dante is sitting in Sadiq's house with Sadiq's dead body. And uh, there's a knock on the door, and it is Rosita. Uh, coming to check on him because she was there for him not terribly long ago when he was having a really rough time and she just wants to make sure that he's doing okay. And when, when Dante opens the door, she's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And and he's like, oh, we're having a sexy sex affair. And I was like, don't play with my emotions, Dante. <laughs> Yes, I mean the 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 dynamic with Dante has been very very odd from the beginning, and we've talked about that before. Um, but here, I mean, the look on Rosita's face is kind of like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you can like he is he is so like twitchy and uh, and uh, like trying to like move her out of the house and like giving her, he gives her like three different things is like what Sadiq is doing mm-hmm. instead of being dead on the floor. Oh, he, he just stepped out for a minute. Oh, actually he went over to the, to the hospital to check on people. Oh, he did this. Oh, he did that. And it was just, it's just like, you know, and, and Rosita is immediately uh, suspicious of him. Oh yeah. I mean, he's, uh, in terms of being a subtle villain in this particular circumstance, he's like, all the cues are shooting off him right now. Is like, right. you know, 
I'm up to something, I'm guilty, I'm, you know, just... Yeah. And, uh, and it doesn't help that behind them in the room, Sadiq is reanimating. And mm-hmm. so that, I think this was probably one of the best scenes of the season so far, in my opinion, because you can see Dante is breaking down and you can see Rosita is like very, very like coming to grips with something's definitely wrong. Meanwhile, in the background, you can hear the banging around of the newly animated Sadiq corpse. Yeah. So that was just adding to the situation where, I mean, it's been so long since we've actually had one of our own cast come back as a zombie Uh that for a minute there, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, what? Oh, no, wait, this is how it works. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think I, now you say that. I, I, you're right. I think maybe the last one was Sasha. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. And if there was somebody in between then and it was not a main character, it was not a uh, right. someone that we spent a lot of time with, uh, the peripheral characters. Uh, well, Brett Butler and Henry and all their severed heads were zombified. But sure, sure. That's they true. Weren't, they weren't like found like, found fresh walking around zombies like right and they weren't they weren't a legitimate threat to to the people in the room right uh because very very quickly sadiq's revived zombie self is a very serious threat to everybody in the room right Uh, one of which is a very very tiny baby yes who is you know bite-sized uh you know so so yeah she's um she's not buying dante's particular uh, blather uh, as much as he would like her to. Um, and so he basically tries to kill her. Right. Um, but, lo- but luckily, Rosita has been in deep training for the months. Like, she since she had the baby, she's been training and, and preparing, like, f- getting her fighting skills back up and and uh, and when he attacks her, she is ready for him and is able to actually take him out pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. And then has to stab poor Sadiq in the head and, and, uh, and then, you know, she is now, now what are we going to do with Dante? Right. Oh, we skipped the part at the very, very beginning of the episode, which kind of explains how Dante became part of the group. Um, right. He went, he went and found, uh, under Alpha's orders, another group of survivors to take him in and then basically led them to Alexandria. Right. So he came in with a big group of people that he had been traveling with for a couple of days or weeks or however long. Uh, and uh, and so he came in kind of camouflaged with those people. Right. And, and the... Again, we come down to this interesting thing where we get to see the process of how these people come into contact with Alpha and how she basically there's this still this gap that I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my yeah. brain around, which is how 
her effectiveness of bringing her, them around to her point of view where they are so loyal and they are so just committed to this completely nuts worldview that she has. Yeah. Um, well, I think when it comes, I, and I, it, it's explained a little bit. Uh, I mean, Dante's been laying out clues for a while. He's a former soldier. He had a, he lost some men in a way that was very horrific before even the zombie outbreak happened. And so he was in the midst of PTSD when this whole thing went down. And so he's, you know, he's the kind of like, he's the perfect person to be susceptible to this sort of, uh, uh, you know, follow orders, no matter what kind of worldview that Alpha espoused to him. And in, in short, that's what he uses as his explanation for why he didn't care that Lydia was still alive, even though um, Alpha told everyone that she was dead. Like, his orders had nothing to do with whether or not Lydia was alive. Yeah, but the problem is that the timeline, to me, still doesn't work, because you've got, what, eight years, nine years now? Of the apocalypse? Oh no, no, definitely. Don't don't get me wrong. Alphas they if they were gonna use the whisperers as a as as villains, it should have happened in year two or three because the, her whole thing is unsustainable. Right. And you know, I brought up the have I brought up uh, uh, the village as an example before before yes. in uh-huh. right, yeah. Yeah. It's you know, the minute they walked up on a on a thriving settlement like Alexandria, like half of her people would be like, wait a minute, they have bread and yeah. it would be done. Like, yeah. you know, no matter how, how, uh, like charismatic or whatever she is, it would just be done. Right. Because, and this, this does come out because they have captured him. They do have Dante and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Because part of the problem here is that putting him on trial, and this is an interesting thing because this becomes a, this is an argument that has popped up uh, actually in the real world, but also it pops up in fiction from time to time. Is When you have this kind of person who has this, this poisonous worldview, yeah. which is apparently strangely attractive, right. you worry that if you put them on trial and give them a chance to pitch their whatever their theory their mindset their their delusion or whatever the, whatever you want to call it you might actually cause more problems because it's their their whole existence is to undermine what you have right it was it's the same problem with uh that that uh uh what's his name uh the killer what's his name you know who i'm talking about which one um, Oh, you know, the guy who killed Sharon Tate. Oh, Manson. Manson. That was his whole deal. Like, are we going to give him the platform? Like, it was almost more dangerous to to try him, not just lock him up forever. Because it's like, give him the platform to espouse his crazy. Right. You see this, you see this argument I've come up uh, with, with terrorists. Um, but the problem with this argument is that if you're going to have the kind of world that Alexandria wants to build, you kind of have, that has to be one of your choices. 
Mm-hmm. And it has to be a fairly important choice because you have to be fair. You have to show that you're building a society that works and has rules. And, and there's, I mean, because we, we did the whole, you know, we're just going to kill people. And, right. and we're supposed to be past that now. Um, well, yes, we are supposed to be past Supposed that. to be, operative word. Yeah, um, so... So clearly they're struggling and, and there's a lot of rage here. There's a lot of, I mean, and some of it, the people who have to make the decisions are people who are angry. Right. And unfortunately these people that have to make the decisions who are angry are basically whoever's left of the council because Michonne's gone off on her mission. Have we talked about her mission yet? Not yet. That was in this episode. Yep. Okay. So uh, it's Gabriel and Rosita, and, like, that's it. Yeah. And they were in a co-parenting situation with Sadiq. This is the person that they cared about deeply. Yeah. This is not just some rando. This is not – this was not only the, uh, the doctor of the village, but this is their intimate friend. Yep. And uh, so – Ultimately, um, <laughs> uh, Gabriel goes in, and you think that he's going in to have one of those existential discussions that him and Megan had all that time, you know, all those times, you know, yep. where they talked about, you know, what does your imprisonment mean, and have you uh, uh, rehabilitated yourself, and what would rehabilitation even mean for someone like you? You know, I'm sure that they had that conversation six or seven times a week over the nine years that he was, or six years that he was in in captivity. Right. You know. But this is uh, not that situation. No. Because <laughs> right about the time that you think it's starting to get to moral quandary Rick moments, Gabriel takes out a knife and shivs Dante. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, and he, he doesn't just shiv him a little bit. He basically shivs him into, he's a pincushion at this point. I mean, he has got so many holes. If you were to pour water through him, it would all go through him. I mean, it's just, and and Gabriel, I mean, there's, there's so much rage and pain in this, in this act of violence. Um, And then there's this moment where you see him walk out into the street and Rosita can see him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, anybody looking at him would know immediately what he had done. Right. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I read some articles over the last week where they, they lumped this part in. Walking Dead has a really, really bad, uh, bad uh, habit of character assassination by way of plot convenience. And we're going to talk about that a little bit when we get to what's really the A plot of the episode, which is Carol's Yeah, okay. okay. But, and I saw some people write about how they felt like that was going on with uh, Gabriel. Like, he's supposed to be this moral, you know, great guy, and, you know, he's supposed to be like, 
the moral center of the show or whatever and and him killing killing dante just out of anger is is not you know how he should do things and blah blah blah, blah. and but i don't see it that way at all no no uh this is this is very much a a reaction first of all reminder here that he is while he is a man of god he is also a man right and he is a man who we have known from the beginning is very flawed right and what has been really cool about gabriel because you and i did not like him no we hated him uh and what's been cool about the character is that there's been this evolution from a person who was so afraid that he he basically abandoned everyone around him to die and then, you know, it was just a mess for Holden. But we've actually watched the character evolve into someone who is legitimately recognizable as a leader in the community. Yes. And here he's, there's, there's so many things to unpack with his actions here. The two important ones, though, are his own feelings of needing to have vengeance for his friend and protecting the community from something that he views as an existential threat, which is letting Dante speak. Right. And giving Dante an audience. And these two things make his decision to straight up execute Dante completely legitimate in my mind. Right or wrong, I understand it. Yes. It wasn't... Whether or not it was the right decision is almost secondary in this case. Yes. It was more about the things that have to be done. Right. And I think that there's, there's a question between, you know, and you can certainly have the argument, you know, this is the kind of action that has actually come back to haunt our heroes a lot over the last, you know, yeah, 10 years of TV. Um, but it's also one of those decisions that is a very human decision. And the idea that somehow Gabriel would be immune to that, um, I think is unfair to the character. Uh, Well, and there's also things like, I feel, I mean, I feel like we've also seen him do some things that wouldn't necessarily be morally correct, but were right coming up on, you know, he's, he tried to sabotage, you know, the bullets in the, in the bullet factory. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's done things that are not like to, to protect that are not, you know, I don't know. Ugh. But I liked it. I liked this whole, which I mean, we've covered it first, but it's basically the C plot of the episode. Um, I liked this whole storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and basically it ends with um, Gabriel and, and Rosita having this um, moment of connection mm-hmm. uh, that, that, you know, for, for a, a, someone who is attempting to drive the community apart, to destabilize it, um, certainly at least with these two, Dante failed. Yes. And that was a really nice moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have to talk about Michonne. 
mm-hmm. really super quickly uh, because I don't think she needs a, you know, we're, we're preparing for uh, Denai Guerrero to leave the show. Right. And so uh, they are at Oceanside uh, trying to help them uh, with, what is it? What was the thing? What was the MacGuffin that brought them to Oceanside? Oh, I think it's, I think the, God, I don't even know, but the, but once they're there. Right. They get them in the word about Dante. Right. And like, then the very next second, this dude comes running out of the woods. Well, for, but first he becomes running out of the woods. Uh, they're actually, before they get there, they stop at a library. Oh, right. Yeah. The library. I forgot about the library. And um, our music teacher guy. Uh, gets attacked by a walker in the library, and he's rescued by this guy, by this man who has a backpack full of books. Uh-huh. And the guy saves him and then runs away. And he's like, come back, you saved me. Why are you running away? And the guy's like, I'm out. Yeah. And then this guy shows up again out at Oceanside. Trying to steal a boat. And they're all like, these are our boats, and... We're super paranoid right now because Dante was in Alexandria for a while. Yeah. So we don't even know who we can trust. The people who have been come in in the last several months, we don't know who's uh, with us and who's actually a plant. Yeah, and they're even. They, she even says, Michonne says, you need to re-question everybody that's come in to this community in the last few months. Right. And you know. And then this guy shows up and she basically starts in under the assumption, you know, what did Alpha send you to do? Why are you here? What did Alpha? And he's like, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, it turns out that he is actually um, a, uh, a survivor who's been living on an island with his family for the last several years and that island used to be some sort of military base and it is gunned up yeah and so he offers he's like look if you take me back if you take me home i will give you the weapons you need to fight your battle your whisperer's battle and Michonne decides that she that this is a thing she wants to do. Right. And he is he doesn't trust them very much when they say, We're gonna do this, we're gonna let you go, we're gonna let you go back to your family. You just have to take me with you so I can get the weapons. And he's like, That's it? And she's like, Yeah, I just need your weapons that you don't using. He's like, all right, fine. Now, there's a bit of a logic problem here, which is probably heavily dictated by the fact that Michonne is, you know, Dene is leaving the show. Yeah. Um, but her going off on her own with this guy is incredibly stupid. Right. I mean, it's just dumb. Well, like I said, this is all set up for her leaving. Every right. tiny, even minor bit of this whole plot is her is getting ready to to say goodbye to Michonne how they're going to do it and what what that's going to mean are you know we still we still do not know right um and it is you know they sail off right 
into the distance. I'm, I'm, I'm like, th- this was just kind of a blah for me kind of situ- thing. So I'm not, I'm not really invested in what's going on with this guy and his, his family and, you know, like all that stuff. So I, I just hope they, I'm just very interested to see how they're going to, what they're going to do with Michonne, how she's, they're going to get rid, get her off the show. Are they going to kill her? Because that, from what we understand, knowing that Andrew Lincoln has at least three Rick centric movies coming up. Right. It does not seem like that is what they would, should be doing. That killing him is not, uh, or killing her is not a good plan. But. Right. You know, so I'm very interested. I'm less interested in what happened in this episode with her as, 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 except for how it, you know, will affect her leaving. Right. And I think that we are, I think it would be a rather foolish thing for them to kill her off so that they could bring her back at least in one of those movies. Uh, and it would probably, they could work that around her, her schedule doing other things. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. So that's basically Michonne's arc. Uh, everybody else, she sends everybody else back, and you know she has the whole, you know, I love you, Judith. I love you, Mom. You know, little send off thing, which is so full of sh- foreshadowing uh, that she's not coming back. Um, they might as well. They might as well have had signs that went, "I'm leaving the show." Right. And Judith holds up a sign that says, "I know. I'm going to be sad." And you know, but. I, but let me just, while we're talking about Judith, I just have to say, I just, I'm so happy with the way that they have characterized this kid, mm-hmm. considering all the problems that they had had with kids on this show before, where it's like, they don't know how to write. They've, I mean, and I, and I can kind of say they probably, none of that's changed because they don't write Judith as a child. They write her as a fully grown adult. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Which I just enjoy greatly. Like, they don't pretend that they're writing for a kid at all. Judith is a grown-up. She's got an, She's the one who captures the dude when he escapes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, she was going to go kill Negan when he got away the first time. Right. Well, you know, she's a little kick-ass. So, yeah. you know. But it's a nice little moment. Um, and And for for having that, you know, reminding the, that there's an emotional core yeah. to what they've been doing with this character and, and Michonne for, for all of the season. Um, now we come to the A plot. Which is... Did you hear, did you hear my sigh? Should I, should I sigh more? Let me give you one more. Okay. <sighs> because you mentioned the words character assassination... Well, it's not just that. It's it's the idea of character assassination as plot contrivance. Yeah. It's changing the way that a character acts or would be expected to act solely to further the plot. Yeah. And they did this to Rick all the time. They did this to Rick. Where he would just randomly have, like, he would go f- from moral quandary Rick to crazy pants Rick. Just, just so that he could do whatever it was that they needed him to do for the plot. Yep. And they're doing the same thing to Carol right now. Oh, God, yes. 
they're, they, you know, have everything that has made Carol the character that she has been all this time. They are, no, she's completely binded by vengeance and is, you know, just running headlong into these dangerous situations, running into traps that are oh, obvious traps. Oh, this was so, what was so frustrating. I mean, it was just, okay, so. Uh, okay. All right. So what, ha- what ha- happened was that Gamma and Aaron are now negotiating because Gamma is very, uh, uh, she's become uh, disillusioned with Alpha. For fairly sensible reasons. And again, the fact that she's like one of a handful of people in this mob uh, who is having these questions this far in. Right. Is, you know, a mess, but. Um, so, so she is, uh, she tells Aaron that she wants to see her nephew. And uh, he says, all right, what are you going to give me? And she says, I know where the horde is. And so they have a little bit of ticking about whether or not they should go where she says, because how do they know she's telling the truth? And she was a plant. We all know she was a plant, you know, like, can we trust her? And, but, but Carol is like, I'm going. If we think if I can get rid of this horde and stop this, I'm going to go and do it. And Daryl's like, I guess I've got to go. <laughs> I guess I've got to go with her. Just like I did with Rick. You know, to make sure that he doesn't die horribly when he's doing these things that are so beyond character for him. Now I've got to do this with Carol. Because remember, Carol is now Rick. We thought, last season we thought it was going to be Daryl, but that didn't work out because Norman Reedus, while he's a great actor, uh, had probably had the foresight to say, I cannot... We can't change Daryl from a secondary character to a to the main character of this show. You know, right? And I've been sort of watching. I've been watching the uh, the Talking Dead mm-hmm. a little bit after, and somebody asked one of the like Gail had heard was on or somebody was on or like, you know, there's Death Girl now, and like, why is Daryl not? being with the deaf girl and you know why is he taking so long and 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 she basically said like norman was very committed to the way to the portrayal of daryl the way he was and didn't want to jump into some sort of romantic subplot right which you know and and daryl has been or norman reedus has been very upfront about the fact that he sees daryl as an asexual person as somebody who through either trauma or whatever, does not really have sexual feelings towards people. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. And I have a feeling that we are seeing this, this, uh, like Carol, well, Daryl and Carol are the only ones left from the original cast anyway. They're the only two characters from season one left. Right. And so it's going to be one of the two of them as the leader. And when, if Norman Reedus, which I personally believe was like, I don't think Daryl could handle it. Uh, it's got to fall to Carol. 
Does that make sense? Am I am I off base? No, it makes sense. I think I think that we've seen, and and again, talking about the the larger season, um, we've seen Daryl take on not necessarily a leadership role as much as a the role of someone who makes it possible for the leadership to do the things. Right. In some ways he's become almost the sheriff of the town. Yeah. To some degree. And, and I mean, there's, we've seen that with his interactions with Negan. We've seen that with his interactions. Anytime someone's in a cell, Daryl is there. And so there's a certain amount of him keeping this sort of, you know, and yes, Michonne is the security, you know, voice of security for, for the settlements. But, but Daryl is the one who actually is when she's not around, he's the one actually physically doing the work. So I think there's some degree of moving him into a, into a leadership role where I think we're not going to necessarily have like a Rick figure or a central yeah. one central figure. We're going to have a, a handful of core leadership figures. And since Maggie's coming back, uh, because, you know, she went off to do her TV show and got canceled. <laughs> um, and she is coming back, and she's supposedly coming back this season, um, that we'll start to see, I think, a little more of this ensemble cast yeah. where you're not going to have a single figure like Rick, who was the core of everything, but you're going to have this more, uh, you know, broader broader group of people. It's going to be like watching, you know, a, a lot of TV shows have ensemble yeah. casts. It's just... Walking Dead had Rick as a central figure for so long. Right. Well, and I think we talked about, maybe not recently, but but a while ago, we talked about the example of ER. Mm-hmm. You know, right. uh, Dr. Green was the main character of that show. Anthony Edwards' Dr. Green was the main character of that show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when he left, they, they moved it to more of a more arc-based ensemble show. And it and that show survived for another ten years. Yeah. Well, and I think the, this this season we've seen a lot more of that happening. Anyway, mm-hmm. we've seen the the storylines move out where you have two or three episodes where Sadiq really is the main character, right? And you have these episodes, and and when you bear in mind that Sadiq was introduced last season, mm-hmm. um, that he has the kind of weight they ended up having this season. Uh, that's, you know, that you can see some of this already happening. On the other hand, to basically have, you know, they go off to find this, Gamma tells them where this horde is, and they go off to find it, and it's not there. Right. And everybody's really mad. Like, you know, Carol's mad, and Aaron and, and, you know, all of them are mad, and and they're although, stomping around. Although Aaron is like, Aaron is like, I, I don't believe she misled us on purpose. Yeah, he believes in her. He believes that that right. this is a, a a real thing. Yes, and then who should pop out of the woods? Alpha, uh, and she's yeah. like, hey, folks, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and Carol is just like blinded by rage, runs after her. Yeah. And, you know, and it's one of those situations where Daryl is running after her, basically yelling, it is a trap. What are you doing? Yeah. And, and But he cannot stop her. 
and he, you know, and everybody follows Carol and uh, who's following Alpha, who is leading them along. Uh, and they go into this, like, abandoned mine. And they're wandering around. Well, first of all, like, Dar- the, the, POV, the POV person is Daryl. So he basically sees everybody running after Carol, and who's running after Alpha, and then he's following along. Right. And he's walking real slow, and he's trying to be very careful, but it does not work because he ends up falling through a hole in the floor and sliding down into the pit of into this mine where the horde is being stored. Right. So Gamma was telling the truth. Yes. And everybody just so happens to conveniently land on this outcropping of rock where the horde can't reach them. Right. And that's where the episode ends. Yes. But to get to this point, Carol has to act like a moron. Yes. Like a person who is not remotely Carol. Right. And we talked about Gabriel, Gabriel's rage earlier. Gabriel's anger and it, how it drove him to do something you don't necessarily think of when you think of Gabriel, which is straight up murder a dude. Right. Yes. Carol has a lot of rage. Carol is hurting for a, yet another loss of a child because we can't have nice things. and Especially Carol can't. Yeah. But it is so blatant. It's, 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 it's Wiley Coyote holding up a sign saying, bird seed this way. Right. I mean, it's so blatant. Ugh, it's and, You know, it's one of those things, and I think we're all, as consumers of media, becoming more and more aware of this. I don't think that showrunners are going to be able to get away with this kind of stuff much longer, especially when you consider the backlash to the last season of Game of Thrones. Right. And, you know, the way that people are, people are just more savvy nowadays. People, the young folks, (laughs) the children, they're just more, you know, media savvy. And they see stuff like this, especially in these long arcing storylines where you, you, we've been watching Carol for nine years. Right. We've seen an evolution of this character and the, the, the Carol that casually dismantled the fine young cannibals in an afternoon, <gasps> the Carol that casually set the leftover saviors on fire. Mm-hmm would not do this. No. And, and there's this curious thing that happens. They, they give Carol this trauma and then Carol goes off by herself. And was there, whether it was in this little cab, little, little house up by on the edge of the territory, or it was on this boat. I mean, Daryl says you didn't, you used to, you never really left the boat. Yeah. Um, and it's this cycle. They put her through again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to a point that it's 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 so predictable that when they put her to this in this thing, she's going to do these dumb things, and it's going to be this. But this takes the cake for for terms of you know sheer level of stupid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but for a character who we've actually seen grow the way that Carol has grown, for good and for ill, because of course right. you go back to what season season three with the prison, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where she's you know murdering people for questionable reasons. Um, but because they have the flu, they have the flu. Uh, and but it turned out she was right. Let's not let's not forget that it turns out that Carol was right. If she hadn't killed those two people, who knows what could have happened? Considering what ended up happening. True, but in the context of the time, it was you know it was not a good decision to make for everyone around her at the time. In the long term, it turned out to be. Uh, but. <sighs> We've seen this character grow and develop and have this friendship with Daryl, which has been really good for both of them. And she's gone from being this, you know, beaten down, abused housewife into this badass warrior, Mm. intelligent, sensible, someone who is, despite the fact her track record with having children around her is is really, really poor. Abysmal. (laughs) Poor thing. Is a great mother figure. Yeah, you know, is a nurturing character, is a is a defender. Um, to have her, and okay, it's it's not unreasonable to say that Henry was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. But this isn't the way to do it. And it's like I said, it's just so it's so. Oh look, there's Alpha. What's going to happen next? Gee, right. I wonder. You know, and it's just, oh, I was like beating my head against the table going, no. <laughs> oh, look, they fell in a hole in the ground full of zombies. <laughs> oh, no. Do you remember, I don't know if you ever watched the meme. I used to have the internationally ignored uh web show called reviews for humans the old episodes are still online if anybody wants to go to and they're very funny youtube and watch reviews for humans uh you can we used to cover a show called vampire diaries and one of the things that happened on vampire diaries uh like in the first three seasons there was this magical tomb that like if you were a vampire if you were a human you could go in and out and be fine. Like you wouldn't have to worry about it. But if you were a vampire, you could go in, but then you couldn't come out. Like it was impossible to come out of the tomb if you were a vampire. Right. And so this was like a big plot thing for like the first two or three seasons of that show was the tomb. And people constantly, there are like four vampires on the show and they all knew about the tomb and they were constantly like, I fell in the tomb again. (laughs) Can you find a witch to do a spell to get me out of the tomb? (laughs) <laughs> fell in and that's what I thought like oh they fell in the tomb <laughs> uh-huh yeah it's just oh it's like oh look they're trapped I wonder how things are gonna go None of these people are particularly disposable at this time. Right, exactly. If you look at the people that are now trapped in this hole, it's Carol and Daryl are essential leads of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, Carol and Daryl are the leads of this show. Let's not, let's not pussyfoot around this situation. Michonne is leaving. And as adorable and wonderful as Judith is, she is a baby. 
Carol and Daryl are our leads. They're not going to kill off Carol and Daryl right now. No, no, they're not. Uh, and then there's Aaron, and they're not going to kill off Aaron because they just got in super big trouble for killing off Tara and Jesus. Well, and killing off Aaron at this point really doesn't make any sense in terms right. of where they're they've been going with him and Gamma. Yeah. And I think that's, I think, I think we're looking, and this is my prediction for what's going to happen there, which is Gamma will eventually become part of the community because that's what they do. They absorb their enemies and, and yeah. one of us, one of us. And, and they're going to become a family unit. In a weird way, they're going to become a family unit. He's, she's going to end up like Aaron's little sister. Hmm. Uh, so that she, and, and, and that's going to be her entryway to get to know her nephew because Aaron's going to be there with his kid and they're going to have this, you know, kind of, because uh, we had this great moment in this episode where we actually got to see Aaron with his daughter. Yeah. And, you know, they were looking, they were considering, you know, he was talking rather sadly in some ways, telling her stories of the world before. And there was some, you know, some sadness and wistfulness to it. Um, but that's, that's my personal prediction of what's going to happen with her. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, if she survives the Whisperer War. Yeah. Well, that's a, always a good, you know, it's always nice to have some sort of imagined hopes yeah. and dreams. I used to have imagined hopes and dreams when I hopes came to Hopes and dreams. I used to have them when I was young. Yeah. Um, Ten years ago when I started watching this show. We had, no, no, no. We, by the time season two was rolling around, we had no hopes and dreams. We were beating our heads against the wall going, that's not how maps work. <laughs> <laughs> how do you break a map? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's always possible. And then um, there's, uh, what's her name? The deaf lady. Mm-hmm. Her little sister, who's also the deaf lady. Right. They're, they're becoming more deaf lady. And, uh, and uh, Anya, right? I think so. So they're not going to kill off any of those people. Right. And, you know. However, um, it's a cliffhanger ending. It's what you do with a mid-season finale. Yeah. Remember when they used to kill, like, they would kill off important characters on the mid-season finale? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. They 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 were to save that for the Whisperer War. We can we can talk later. Not this episode about who's going to die when that goes through. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this the A story was was so full of dumb, and and Carol not being the way Carol should be. Right. The other stories were good. I think I think the other yeah. stories were. I mean, again, Michonne going off on her own is a little bit you know dumb, but. Um, it's, we can kind of see why it's happening. And, but the, it was interesting because the C story or other, I think, I think Michonne, I don't know if Michonne was really the B story. Um, because well, it was so short, her little, her little interactions and all that stuff were so like compared to what happened with, with Gabriel and Rosidia, Rosidia, yeah. Rosidia <laughs> and, and Dante. You're right. I think, you know, and that that segment was was really the strength of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's leaving us at an interesting point for this mid season. But as I look back on the whole season, for all the fact 
that, you know, Carol, I think, I don't think Carol has been handled well the entire season so far. Um, there's a whole lot of painting her in this, I'm broken again. And, and it's just, I, I, I get it. I mean, we've seen her do this before. It's an established thing. It's the way she deals with grief, blah, blah, blah. Except it's become such a cycle. It's such a repetitive cycle. Yeah. That it just feels like we don't know how to write something new for her. And so we're going to make her do exactly the yeah. same. What are we going to do with Carol? Well, we'll kill the kid that she's like, she like, you know, has a weird connection to. Yeah. And then we'll have her go crazy. It'll be great. Yeah. Everybody loves it, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's actually been one of the weakest parts of the season is, is just watching Carol not be written well. Performed-wise, I mean, you know, it's, she's, always, she's always a fantastic performance. But mm-hmm. in terms of what they're having her do, at the same time, on the flip side, we've had Daryl having some really, really good moments for Norman Reedus dealing with Carol acting out of character. Right. Um, and we've seen, I mean, there's, there's been like, there was a couple of moments when the, the first couple episodes where she was off the boat and we watched the two of the, these two people fall into the friendship, the comfortable friendship, you know, teasing each other stuff. Right. Was really beautiful to watch. But <laughs> then we got Carol acting out of character. So, um, and then, you know, we actually let Negan do some interesting things this season. Right. Uh, and that's actually good because, you know, we, we know that he's going to be important to the Whisperer War. And again, spoiler alert for folks who have not read the comic, Negan is not on Alpha's side. <laughs> okay, guys. I mean, if, you're, if you are questioning whether or not Negan has gone back to his villainous ways, uh, not in this way. Yes. Uh, and I kind of want to go back to Negan in the Whisperer camp so that Negan can basically make him more comments about how ridiculous they all are. Uh, because there was a whole lot of, you know, his mockery in the yeah. episode where he's in there. Um, because that to me is, comes back to the weakest part of the whole season, which is the whispers simply don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard for me. Um, strong performances aside, you know, um, it's really, really hard for me to take Alpha seriously as a villain when she's written so. She's a little too, especially with this episode. So, so, so we keep having Alpha pop up at dramatic moments. Yeah usually involving Carol so they can stare meaningfully at each other, mm. which uh, this episode especially was kind of like, but of course Alpha is there. Yeah. You know, so the question, the question that raises is, did Gamma lead them into a trap? I don't, and, but I don't think she did. I, I agree with you. I think that I agree with you and I agree with Aaron. I don't think that she did. No, but it wouldn't make any sense. But then we have Alpha there at just the right time. You know, she shows up at just the right time a little too many times. And it comes back to, you know, they've built her up as this giant, giant threat. And certainly somebody who has the ability to more or less corral walkers and use them as a weapon is a threat. There's no question about that. Um, But 
again, we come back to this, her mindset and her cult-like leadership. It's so hard to, to accept as a thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That it's just really, really hard to, you know, I'm just like, okay, hurry up, Negan. Killer. Hurry right. up. That's why you're there. <laughs> you're there to alpha, alpha. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> right. Bring me the zombie war. Come on. <laughs> it's just, this season doesn't have, there's a lot of cool things going on in this season, but in terms of the big existential threat, Alpha is, I'm still having a really, really hard time taking Alpha as a real serious threat, you know, beyond the fact that she can basically throw a bazillion walkers at him, which is, like I said, it's a threat, but right. it's just really hard. She's just, I mean, again, the whispers just don't make any sense. So. You remember the wolves? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember the wolves. I remember how everybody was like, those are going to be the whispers. And it would have made so much sense to have the wolves actually be the whispers at that time. Mm, sure. Now it just doesn't. Right, because I think that the, the people at this point in the world who are so damaged that her message would somehow be attractive would have gotten themselves killed by now. Yeah because they're not functioning in a, in a rational way that is um, sustainable for year after year after year. Uh, the, the idea that people who are this damaged are going to be capable of surviving in the world that has the saviors and the wolves and the fine young cannibals and the governor and all these other threats that are out there, the highwaymen or whatever. Um, you know, the idea that somehow these people are going to slip all past them uh, and, and make it this far so they can be pot- caught up in, in Alpha's group. Because um, I, still can't, I still can't get around the idea that none of these people are, like, falling over dead from infection. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they're just, they're so susceptible to everything out there in the world, and they're stitching dead people's skin, you know, uh, and wearing it. I don't care if it's been tanned. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of good things going on in this season. The whispers are not it. Right. So, you know, we we have a break until February. God, is it February? I think so. It's a long ass time. I just know that. So what do we want to talk about next week? Well, we could take a complete another break from the world of the walking dead. Have you seen the new Harley Quinn TV show? I haven't, uh, uh, but I've heard it's good. It's Fucking hysterical, Dustin. I laughed so hard at the first episode. And I just watched the second episode. And I didn't laugh as hard, but I laughed a lot. Um, and on one hand, it's extremely violent and gory. It could, we, could, we, could, we could pull it in under the horror aspect because it's like, 
what happened what happens if you know you got to see all the blood that would result from hitting somebody in the face with a baseball bat because um, <laughs> the show shows you um it's it's really really funny uh we have talked about uh diving into some of the more audio based horror stuff that you and i listen to um there's a couple of things i'll tell you what um we can talk about what we want to do folks. If you, what, what do you want to hear us talk about? Uh, considering that we, you know, we don't just do the walking dead. We've done other shows. We did, uh, uh, uh teen wolf for a while. We've done, um, uh, Santa Clarita diet. We've done, uh, the, the other zombie shows and other zombie movies. We don't we could have- do, we could do Hallmark Christmas movies. Okay. While those are horrors, <laughs> and Hallmark is just down the street from my apartment. That's true. Uh, and I do know, I think I do know some people who work there still. Um, I don't know if I can take that. I might. Oh, snap. come on. <laughs> the Night Before Christmas on Netflix. It's about a knight who comes to modern times. And he falls in love with Vanessa Hodges. Yeah. Um, so, folks, if there's something you'd like us to uh, look at in the world of horror or horror adjacent, and yes, I probably Christmas music, Christmas movies fall into that. I was tri- I was bitten by a Christmas movie as a child, <laughs> and I've never quite recovered. Uh, actually, I was in retail for 15 years, and uh, if you've ever worked in the wonderful world of retail, uh, oh God, no! If I count the movie theater years, it was longer because you get the loop, you get the Christmas music oh, loop, yeah. and I get pretty stabby by the end of the Christmas season when it comes to, I'll give you blue Christmas. I'll give you, <laughs> uh, but. Oh, uh, yeah, I've already taken one of the radio stations off my presets because it's already doing Christmas music. <laughs> but anyway, so we've got other things. We get a lot of things we can talk about. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll ponder that and we will, we'll have something for you guys next week. Um, yeah. So let us know what you think about that and what you thought about the season. What do you thought about this episode? Uh, are they completely, you know, wasting Carol in these last few episodes? The answer is yes, but you might disagree. And we'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear what you guys think in general. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and podcast.com. You can leave us a comment there. You can leave us a rating. Ratings are always good. They help people find the show. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So we will do this again next week. We will. I promise. There was almost a question there. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back on track here. Because uh, I'm sure that when... We'll have to make sure that we have an episode that goes out during Christmas week, uh, even though we are probably going to be around for Christmas Day, uh, obviously. But um, yeah, so we'll plan for uh, we'll plan to see you guys next week. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And again, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with next week with more Zompocalypse now. Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions.